1: We're talking week nine fantasy football projections. Who can play and who should sit on your bench? You're you're missing the Browns, Cowboys, Broncos, Giants, Steelers, and 49ers. How are we going to get through the week? Dave and I will cover that and more on RotoViz Radio.
2: What's up, RotoViz?
1: Welcome in to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick, joined by Dave Caven. This is the projection show, man. And this is going to be a week where we have to get a little bit more creative um, and a little bit more flexible with the types of players that get into our lineups. We had all had the blessing as fantasy managers of week eight only having two teams on by. But Dave, there are six teams on by this week, and it's There's a lot of superstars, uh, a lot of players who have been consistent week to week, and a lot of um, players who have boomed recently. I mean, I'm just going to run down the list of players we're missing, and then uh, you can let us know, uh, using the power of our uh, game-level similarity projections app, which players might be good solutions for us. So we've got the Browns out. You know, that pulls Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Amari Cooper out, uh, you know, David and has not been available due to injury, but, um, you know, even if he were healthy, uh, would not be able to play this week. The Cowboys are gone. So Tony Pollard and his explosion, Dak Prescott's gone. CD lamb, Dalton Schultz, who is live all of a sudden, again, the Broncos, uh, I'm maybe it's a blessing <laughs> to have them on by. So people aren't starting their players. Mm-hmm. Um, the giants, Hey, we're missing Saquon. Uh, that's tough. Uh, the Steelers, uh, although he's disappointed this year, we're missing Najee. Uh, this will be the first week post Chase Claypool in the offense, so perhaps there would be some hopes of more target concentration to Deontay, Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth, and George Pickens. But we're gonna have to wait another week for that to happen. And then the Niners, man, the Niners just start everyone wearing uh, you know red and gold. I mean, Christian McCaffrey. George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, uh, and Jimmy G, even in the the two quarterback leagues or in a a streaming perspective has been usable. So there's a lot of relevant fantasy players gone, players that kind of penciled in every week. So we're going to have to to use the app, Dave, and find some players to plug these holes. Get us through this, man. Let's start with the quarterback position. Uh, if, If we're missing Dak, if we're missing Jimmy G, Who are some of these quarterbacks that are a little bit lesser known um, that that might pop this week?
2: Yeah, so there, uh, as always, is a player out there for somebody that is going to exceed what you are used to. Now, the name I'm first going to toss out here, this isn't going to be that surprising, but I will highlight because I think it's possible in some leagues, very shallow leagues that people are in, uh, given what I'm seeing from roster percentages on ESPN, Justin Fields mm. could be available in some leagues. We've now seen him put together, Curtis, four consecutive QB1 weeks, getting it done with his legs. The Bears are starting to allow him to do a little bit more with his arm, and he actually comes in with the eighth highest average GLSP this week. But what I really want to highlight here, Curtis, is his 75th percentile projection is is 26.9 points. That is much higher than you normally get for a streamer, Mm. and one of the highest totals of the week. So if you're fortunate enough to be in a league where you have some options, or maybe Fields is your backup, you might actually want to think about trotting him out there against the Dolphins. If we move past him, um, other players that could be decent options this week... Uh, And I'm limiting to limiting this to players that I include in the article that I do each week. So they have to be rostered in less than 50% of leagues. You have Andy Dalton looking like a decent streaming option projects with an average of 17.9, 21.7 in his 75th percentile, a pretty solid floor to Curtis of 14.9, 41% of his matches. Went between 15 and 20 points in comparison to other players that you might be streaming. Not a lot to speak of in those lower buckets. Just 26% of his matches were held to less than 15 points. So he is certainly a name that I would consider uh, moving past Dalton and Fields, who I would say are the best options this week. You also have Jared Goff. Uh, who had 34% of his matches go be- between 15 to 20, and then 26 going between 20 to 25. So for a player that you're looking to stream, you know, you have a higher than 50% chance that he's going to go over 15, which isn't terrible. And then he only had uh, 15% go under 10. So you have, or excuse me, um, had, what is that? Uh had just 32%. Okay. Sorry. Had just, I was looking at the wrong line. Just 12% of his matches went below 10, which is pretty solid. Uh, So those are three of the guys I would be looking at this week uh, for streaming that I think could probably help you get it done. I do want to call it a couple of players that uh, might have been streaming options in weeks prior that are not looking that great. Now, Zach Wilson, this would not be a good week. Uh, if he's a player that you've been using, not looking like a good week for PJ Walker um, Davis mills as well would be another player that you'd want to avoid. Not sure who would be planning on going with Davis mills, but want to call it out because it could be a really ugly week for him.
1: Yeah, those are some good, good names. Uh, I'll respond uh, starting back with fields. Not only is fields a good streamer uh, for this week, uh, if he's out there in your leagues, I mean, you know, a single QB, it's kind of hard to prioritize on the waiver wire, these types of players. But, I mean, geez, I, I think you can go 15 to 20 percent of your remaining fab on a player like Fields because it, he's really emerging as as a QB that has, you know, that 18 to 20 point floor. And he's probably going to have the upside for some of these 26 to 30 point weeks remainder of the season as he continues to to pass a little bit better and add to that, you know, 50 to 80 yards on the ground that seems like... You know, he's achieving like clockwork uh, now. So we're, we're really seeing him emerge as a, a Jalen Hurts-esque type threat, like a last year Jalen Hurts type threat. Uh, and it could be a difference maker down the stretch. I mean, really, if, you know, if, if you're not rostering Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, honestly, outside of those three quarterbacks, I think you got to consider putting a bid in on on fields. If nothing else, just to, to play a little defense uh, within your league. And and to uh, block your competition from adding him. Uh, let's let's like not even just talk about week nine in, in a vacuum. I like that the Dalton pick. You know he he gets Baltimore. It's a nice favorable matchup there. Uh, Baltimore has allowed the second most expected points to opposing quarterbacks over the past five weeks, Dave. Um, but from a fantasy points over expectation, they, they haven't allowed a lot of the passing touchdowns. Uh, they've they've seemed to be uh, surrendering touchdowns. More on the ground, and so one of these teams is going to have a correction week. Um, and so, you know, with, with Chris Olave and with Alvin Kamara uh, looking so strong last week, I mean, you know, Dalton could maybe throws a couple short touchdowns or hits Taysom Hill, um, and he has you know a three passing touchdown game against the Ravens, which is definitely in play. But we just haven't seen anyone do that in the last five weeks. A name I'm not sure that you mentioned that I like better than Goff, based off of the matchup uh, would be Taylor Heineke. Um, Taylor Heineke is at home against the Vikings and you know, the Vikings allowed uh, 20 points to 21 points to Justin Fields, uh, 23 points to Teddy Bridgewater and 29 points to Kyler Murray uh, in their last three games. Now, you know, Heineke is not Fields or Murray, you know, with his legs uh, but I think, you know, given the weapons that he's got around him, you know, him approximating Teddy Bridgewater's, you know, 23 points, I think is totally in play here. When you look at, at Minnesota, um, you know, they did allow Jared Goff five weeks ago to throw for 277 yards as well. Um, he did throw a pick, so that held his production down. But I, I actually like Heineke better than Goff. And, you know, hey, Washington uh, commanders are on a three-game win streak, and you know Terry – Terry uh, McLaurin seems pretty happy with Heineke. So, you know, maybe we'll see uh, that that next boom game from Heineke come here in in week nine.
2: Yeah, I think that Heineke uh, is definitely another option, has a pretty solid distribution as well. It is 12% failed to get to 10 points. And then you see a nice distribution beyond there for Heineke, expected to go for around 250 yards with 1.7 passing touchdowns. So certainly another player, to consider
1: all right let's hop over to running back uh i think we've we've given the listeners a couple options here uh under center
2: yep so uh no surprise here curtis austin eckler coming in with the highest glsp among running backs and when i say coming in with the highest i mean he is at 20.3 in his average glsp The next closest player, Josh Jacobs, is at just 16.4. This thing absolutely loves Austin Eckler this week. And given what we've seen from him to this point, it is hard to disagree. Other players that we have behind them, there's really three players that uh, I think are worth calling out altogether just because these are guys that at the beginning of the season you would not have expected to see here. So I want to list them off. Damian Pierce, 16.1, Ramondre Stevenson, 15.4, followed by Miles Sanders at 14.3, all looking like solid players in that RB1 range. If we continue down the list here, looking for players that, you know, you might not be exactly sure what you should do with them this week. One of the guys we have to talk about is Jamal Williams. His projection actually gets him in RB1 territory. Now, last week, the tool liked Williams and had him as an RB1 as well. I wrote up in the GLSP article that you should probably fade that RB1 projection. Swift gets in that game, gets a touchdown receiving, but we see Williams punch in the two rushing touchdowns. So... Heading into week nine, I think it's somewhat the same story. You know, you're probably not going to be expecting another RB1 performance, but I think you can give some credence to the fact here that he should have another game where he's worth being in your lineup. I mean, 30% of his matches went between 10 to 15, had 17 between 15 to 20. This is a pretty good projection for somebody like Williams. Uh, Another name that we see making his way in here, now that some runway has been cleared with James Robinson gone, is Travis Etn. Uh, Should be flirting with an RB one week. If we go and look at the stat line that is now expected for Etn, you're going to see that it's a fairly impressive line Uh, with 13 rushing attempts could put up 54 uh, rushing yards expected to put up 0.3 touchdowns. Also add three receptions for 20 yards uh, with some potential to go over 20 points. Had 8% of his matches achieve that. So big things from ETN expected. We also see Kenneth Walker making his way into the front page. Other players that I think are worth talking about here. Raheem Mostert, now he's a player we have on a decent number of teams, Curtis. He comes in around running back 17. I would say that with Chase Edmonds now departed, sure, Jeff Wilson's coming in, but for this week, this is the type of projection you like to see for Mostert, as it seems likely that he should be able to cash in on this line, thanks to maybe a little bit more volume than the GLSP would be expecting. Uh, We also see Tyler Algier getting his highest uh, GLSP of the season. An average of 9.1 points projected for him. But we do see a 75th percentile of around 14 points. Algier starting to put it together for the Falcons. Of course, one caveat there would be that Cordero Patterson looks like he's going to be coming back into the fold. So we'll have to see exactly what the news looks like there ahead of the game now there are a couple of players that i feel obligated here to mention coming in a little bit lower than their owners might be accustomed to devin singletary who i think i've had to mention just about every week as the tool has really liked him comes in with one of his worst projections in a while still has him in rb3 range uh but definitely noteworthy in that it's starting to see a fall off in Singletary. We'll have to think some about how Naheem Hines is going to impact this. Now it's, you know, hard to say exactly what's going to happen in that first game. uh, But I felt that this was something noteworthy to talk about. Um, Not a great projection for Daryl Henderson uh, either. Then you have players like Rashad White, Boston Scott, Uh, Kenyon Drake rounding out the end of the third page. I'll stop there and see if there was any players that, uh, you know, you want to talk about before I hit just a few more names.
1: Yeah. Going back to page one, uh, you know, Jamal Williams, Dave, here's the, here are the uh, running back leaders in total touchdowns in the NFL. So far this season, number one is Nick Chubb tied for number two are Austin Eckler and Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams has four multi-touchdown uh, rushing games, uh, four games with with two rushing touchdowns. Pretty impressive um, for a timeshare back. And, I mean, you know, his his role is valuable regardless of how available Swift is. And, I mean, you know, Dan Campbell is using that soft language around how Swift might be used again uh, this week. So, I, I like that you, you know, call him out there. I mean, three 20-plus-point performances for, for Williams this year. He's a great option. You know, if you're if you're missing Chubb, you know, you're missing Pollard or Zeke, missing some of these other you know, backs, missing McCaffrey, and you've got Williams on your bench there, you can feel great about um, plugging him in this week. Uh, a player that you didn't mention that, that uh, the app doesn't like very much is Deontay Foreman, who's just been smashing in the past couple of weeks, and I'm just wondering if maybe the sample size isn't big enough to pull in good matches for him, but I will note, you know, using the NFL stat explore, you know, Carolina's on the road against Cincy, their touchdown plus dogs, which, you know, from a game script perspective, doesn't seem like a, a good situation, but, you know, Nick Chubb as a bigger back, just ran all over Cincinnati. Uh, obviously Foreman is, is not Chubb, but he's been running like Chubb uh, the past couple of weeks. And, you know, Chubb puts in a, a pair of touchdowns. And then the week before, You know, Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley both uh, having 40-plus rushing yards, uh, both of them being a a little bit bigger, Algier especially as a pounder, and he had 50 yards and a touchdown. So while Foreman might not have, you know, that 25-plus point outcome uh, within his range per the app uh, this week, I think, you know, given all of the buys, you know, you're not sitting Deontay Foreman. um, You know, so I wanted to call that out as – Know, player who's been uh, performing strongly and, and we didn't mention the last guy I'll mention uh, who has been uh, on an uptick after a little bit of a valley uh, in, in weeks three, four, five, Antonio Gibson, all of a sudden, you know, getting a lot of receiving work again for the commanders. And he looks like a pretty bankable RB two with some upside. And uh, I think he's very live on this heavy bye week as well.
2: Yeah. So what the tool projects him with um, from a receiving perspective is, is uh, 3.4 receptions, 23 yards, adding to about 40 yards as a rusher. Uh, Not a lot of touchdown scoring potential, um, according to what it sees. But I think that he's probably another player that, uh, you know, you can definitely consider getting in your lineups. I think there'll be a fair amount of teams that have to use him. Um, You know, very much concentrated underneath the 15 point mark uh but in a week like this um i think that you'll take that player that has that receiving upside against minnesota so i think he was a name worth calling out Mm -hmm. i think other another player that um fantasy managers might be curious about is clyde edwards hilaire so he comes in around running back 29 now obviously the level of confidence that people have in Alaire has been fading across the course of the season his projection uh Kansas City's playing the Titans by the way calls for 10 rushes 39 yards uh 0.2 rushing touchdowns then two receptions for an additional 14 yards not the greatest projection when you look at where his matches come in in terms of the buckets Curtis 27% went under five points. Thirty nine percent went between five to ten. If this were not a week where we had some other players on by, we'd probably see him coming in on the third page. Um, So what you do with Edwards layer might be a little bit tricky for some teams. Um, You know, Khalil Herbert also falling in that same range, I guess, just to kind of take a step back. Right and just kind of think things, think through things from a different perspective here at this point in the year, Curtis, and let's not factor in matchups on a week to week basis. Who are you more interested in starting Khalil Herbert or Clyde Edwards? Oh man.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, I will say at this point, I mean, Herbert, I mean, Clyde Edwards, alaire hasn't shown, uh, much upside in the past, um, couple of weeks. And I think with you know, Justin Fields adding all of that uh, dynamic, um, you know, ground attack in the Bears offense. Uh, it, it's kind of difficult to to deal with Fields, you know, on the edges, Montgomery uh, doing his thing, you know, tiptoeing through the line and making people miss. And, and Herbert, man, he just looks shot out of a cannon. He's had a lot of big runs um, the past couple weeks. And, you know, I just feel like the bears are going to run the ball. It's part of their identity. The chiefs don't have to, and they also have this rotation going. So um, yeah, that that's an interesting question. I, I mean, with all the buys that are occurring this week, I think both of these guys are probably getting mashed into to starting lineups, you know, across yeah. uh, all, all types of leagues. I know I'm regrettably forced to start CEH uh, in at least two leagues that I'm aware of uh, this week. But yeah, if you're going to give me the question, you know, Hey, rest of season, which back would I prefer? I'd you know, prefer Herbert.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. It's, uh you know, disheartening for me. Uh, you know, <laughs> as, as, as recently, I think as week four, I was making the case that as far as the Chiefs backs go, you know, maybe Edward Tilaire is the one that's most interesting due to the opportunity that he would see. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it just doesn't seem like we're going to get a player that's going to be a long-term smash in that Chiefs backfield until things change. The other name that I did want to call out Oh, one more note. Oh, go ahead. One yep. more
1: note that's impacting my answer there. Uh, yeah, you know the the Chiefs making the deal for Kadarius Tony. Who knows when he'll see the field, but you know I think he's going to get a couple. Um, he's going to get a couple touches uh, rushing the ball in, in, inevitably um, each week, and also I think he's going to be involved in the short passing game, which you know that's going to. I mean he's a more dynamic player than CEH um, when when healthy. So if he is healthy, I think he's, he's going to negatively impact uh, the upside even further.
2: Certainly. Now the final name that I was going to get to uh, was AJ Dillon. The app absolutely despises AJ Dillon this week. Not a huge fan of Aaron Jones either has him uh, like in the back half of the RB two ranks, But we see Dylan with just 15% of his matches getting beyond 10, everybody else below 10. And in fact, 49% of his matches going for less than five points. And that will be in the Packers matchup with the Lions. We've hit all of the running backs. I wanted to mention Uh, if you are ready to turn it over to receiver, we can do so.
1: Yeah, I want to make a comment, uh, two quick comments about uh, the Packers. I mean, first off, the only Packer you're confidently starting when he's healthy is Alan Lazard at this point. Um, You know, you, you don't feel great about putting Aaron Jones in the lineup. He's had a couple good games, but, you know, the big ceiling hasn't been there. I will say, to muddy the waters on A.J. Dillon in this heavy bye week, the type of backs that the Lions have had trouble with are of, you know, Th- those with bigger bodies. I mean, dating back, you know, five games, Rashad Penny just you know ran when he was still playing. <laughs> Poor one out for Rashad. Uh, he he put up 151 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. The very next week was Ramondre Stevenson's big breakout game with 161 rushing yards. And Ezekiel Elliott had a pair of rushing touchdowns. So, you know, in the more recent weeks, Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert, smaller backs, I would say, more similar out of these five backs, Edmonds and Mostert, would be to Jones uh, and, and Dylan obviously being um, more physically similar to the other backs. Now maybe there's something to the, the short touchdowns uh, against the Lions. So uh, I will leave a ceremonial candle lit for <laughs> A.J. Dylan. If you have to start him, I'll bless it.
0: All right. All right. Fair enough. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. that use Indeed to hire great talent fast and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash blue Just go to indeed.com slash blue right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash blue terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Uh. <laughs> All right. So at wide receiver at the top of the board this week, we do have two names worth highlighting. The first one, Amon Ross St. Brown. Of course, he's been dealing with some injuries uh, issues there, but he's been solid when on the field comes in in the top six. But really exciting. We see the rookie Chris Olave. Again, getting a lot of love in the GLSP actually comes in behind Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, and DeAndre Hopkins for the fourth most points in an average game with 17.8. To put some numbers behind this, Olave's line calls for 10 targets, 7 receptions, 90 yards, 0.3 touchdowns, actually has uh, a really nice distribution, Curtis. 66% of it is between 10 to 20, but just about all of the rest is above 20 gives him a 75th percentile projection of 22.3 really exciting stuff. Uh, so hopefully things work out for Andy Dalton, who we highlighted and Olave continuing down the list, Juju Smith Schuster, getting back into wide receiver one territory for the first time. This season, he's expected to put up 16.3 points uh, with a 75th percentile projection of 21.4. As you just mentioned, Alan Lazard um, for Green Bay is also projected very nicely this week in the GLSP, should be a fringe wide receiver one Uh, Tyler Lockett, another player that I think is worth highlighting here. Of course, Lockett and Geno Smith have been pretty darn good this year. So you probably have Lockett in your lineups. Anyways, I will take a quick break. Oh, I should probably also mention Jacoby Myers, uh, who the GLSP Mm -hmm. seems to like most weeks, uh, gets into the leaderboard as well this week. But any thoughts before I continue?
1: Man, Alave is so good. Um He's so good. Uh, you know, you see Michael Thomas there, you know, it's, uh, you know, the apps liking multiple saints receivers, you know, regardless of whether, you know, some of these other ones are going to play. I think that reinforces the idea of, of streaming Dalton. And I'm looking at the, the road of his game splits app here on the road against Baltimore. Uh, Andy Dalton for his career averages three more fantasy points per game than versus all other teams. <laughs> it's crazy, man. You know, he was in the division as a Bengal for all yep. those years against the Ravens. And I mean, he average he averages across 10 games in Baltimore, 20 and a half fantasy points and his career average in all uh, 147 of his other uh, games played. That's crazy, man. Andy Dalton's played. He's been in the league for a lot longer than uh, I think I realize, but only 17 and a half. Um, So yeah, that's interesting. You know, you add on to that. This is a year where the Baltimore secondary is highly beatable and he has, um, you know, big time stud like Chris Olave to throw to. Um, Yeah. I can, I can get on board with that. Um, Let's get into some deeper names here uh, that we can, you know, potentially see some hope for in this heavy bye week.
2: Sure. So shouldn't be much of a surprise. We've seen Tyler Boyd coming on strong in a number of games this year. Now with Jamar chase out, uh, there's going to be even more room opened up for Tyler Boyd. And he comes in with a very strong projection this week, 14 and a half points. That is the 17th highest among wide receivers this week. Um, His largest distribution bucket is between 10 to 15 with 30% falling into that range a nice floor to curtis uh 25th percentile projection of 9.2 points also terry mclaurin uh comes in right behind him we have devonta smith but if we want to go deeper the first name that pops out to me here is alec pierce of the colts now you might feel a little bit uncomfortable and i even feel uncomfortable to some extent Sharing this projection and it does come. It's not all roses as he does have 35% of his matches going between five to 10 points, but his overall distribution is pretty strong has an average of 12.8 points. And the interesting thing here is that the app must really be seeing something that is also related to Pierce and his matchup because Pittman uh, it is really not like he actually comes in the worst that he has all season. So I think that's a really interesting play for people out there. And another na- two other names, Curtis, that are a little bit deeper down. You have Romeo Dobbs with an average of 12.4. Mac Hollins also with 12.4. Now, both of those players have limited upside, but their distributions make them guys that you really could consider putting into your lineup this week.
1: Yeah, I think on Pierce, uh, it, it certainly makes some sense. I mean, the Colts are on the road against your Patriots, Dave, and Belichick is famous for trying to script out you know, the opponent's best weapon. And yep. I mean, you know, in the passing attack, that's gonna be Michael Pittman. Um, if, if Taylor plays, it's possible that they just sell out to to shut him down and and force uh, Sam, you know, Ellinger to to beat them regardless of who he's throwing to. But you know, just looking back through the NFL statics Explorer, some of the names that have, have posted. the the high weekly score against the Patriots for opposing teams uh, does look like, you know, some, some team wide receiver uh, twos, you know, uh, Equinemius St. Brown with uh, nine PPR two weeks ago, Josh Reynolds with 15 PPR four, uh, four weeks ago. Um, So, you know, thinking of Alec Pierce potentially as the team's, you know, wide receiver two, and also thinking about um, his own recent uh, performances, regardless of opponent, he actually does have a little bit of a floor uh, to him now. And over the past six games, he, he's scored at least 6.7 PPR uh, every week. Like no goose eggs, no like where was he type thing. And in five out of the six games, he scored at least nine PPR uh, and has scored 12 or more in 50% of, of those six games. So, you know, uh, he hasn't really shown a huge ceiling. Just to, just one wide receiver two week over the past um, six games, you know, but again, you know we're t- we're talking about by week, you know desperation plays. I think I think Pierce does fit the profile there, Dave. I I would support the the suggestion if if you're looking to fill that flex spot.
2: Yeah, good good numbers there. Now, a player that I'm excited to talk about is we get to do it in a positive light. DJ Moore now has back to back wide receiver one yeah. games. He has life in him. The GLSP doesn't put him into the wide receiver one territory again but it's nice to see him getting projected with 7.8 targets, four and a half receptions, 57 receiving yards and 0.2 touchdowns. This gives him a li- limited upside, but I still think it's worth noting that 35% of his matches went between 10 to 15 comes in with an average projection of 11.6 points, uh, 75th percentile of around 15 but it's just notable in that this is a much better projection than we've seen for DJ Moore in some time and it looks like things are starting to turn the corner and in this specific week I think you feel pretty good if you have DJ Moore being able to round out uh you know either your receiver core or getting into the flex.
1: Oh yeah, I mean I, I mean DJ Moore's an auto start now yep. uh and and after it's been PJ Walker time. DJ Moore, eight games into the season, Dave, I don't know if I've ever seen this number for any wide receiver, eight games into the season. He has a 40% team target market share. Whoa. 40% through half a season. Uh, Obviously the number one player uh, in the NFL uh, in in that uh, particular metric, that is nuts, man. Uh, He's been a wide receiver one, you know, in each of the past two weeks and basically just had zero efficiency uh, through his first six games, due to the putrid quarterback play. I mean, he's 182nd in fantasy points over expectation per game this season. Um, but it, it, it yeah, it, it's not not due to lack of volume. It's due to lack of converting that volume uh, with all the medicine balls being thrown by you know, like some Baker and company. So um, yeah, uh, wheels up on on DJ Moore, and I couldn't come at a better time. Uh, Sean and I uh, on our. Uh, FFPC uh, Pros versus Joe's Dynasty team. Uh, we we were lamenting having to bench DJ Moore <laughs> uh, for about a month, but he reemerged just as we lost Jamar Chase. So uh, very very timely, and uh, we're we're thankful for the production we've seen the last two weeks.
2: Yeah, you have to be. A uh, couple other names I want to highlight here: Mikol Harmon uh, finds himself in wide receiver three range. So. The app is liking these receivers for the Chiefs this week. We also see Drake London getting back into this range. Not certain how comfortable you're going to feel about uh, any receivers for the Falcons, but hey, we did see Kyle Pitts get into the end zone, which was nice. Um, other names that we have finishing pretty high this week that might be worth considering Robert Woods and Paris Campbell. Uh, for DFS purposes, I'm going to call out that Justin Jefferson finds himself outside of wide receiver three range. Of course, you're going to play him, but from a DFS perspective, this might not be the best week to trot him out there. Uh, but Justin Jefferson's so good that, uh, you know, I, I might be inclined to not even read too much into his GLSP this week. Um, I'm looking for a couple other names here that might I, be... I've got
1: one oh, okay, uh, yep. that I'm not sure you mentioned. Yep. I mean... Yeah, and this guy's available uh, on waiver wires and may not even, even have been claimed, depending on uh, the tightness of, of your league. Um, Josh Palmer, man. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Keenan Allen, I don't think practiced early in the week yet. Mike Williams is going to be out. We know Austin Eckler has that uh, juicy matchup. Um, but, I mean, Herbert's going to have to throw somebody. And, and all the targets can't go to Gerald Everett. Um, and maybe we'll talk about Everett. I don't know if the app is going to like him or not. It doesn't have all the context of these other receivers being out. But Palmer, you know, figures to be a great streaming option that would also have some upside. As uh, you know, uh, some of these other guys we've been mentioning are, you know, maybe, you know, middling floor type of guys without a true ceiling. Uh, Palmer probably has a floor and a and a nice ceiling uh, this week, provided that he, that he plays and uh, and and Allen doesn't.
2: Yeah, I think that that's a good highlight. Um, Some other players that it's interesting, dude, Tyreek Hill. This is the lowest I think I've ever seen Tyreek Hill with just 8.2 points just above Michael Pittman. Obviously, you're going to fade that Tyreek Hill is going out there (laughs) no matter what. So I'm going to be paying close attention to it because this is a pretty interesting one And Jalen Waddle. We see coming in in his normal range. Another player uh, that's not getting much love this week is Chris Godwin with just seven and a half for his average Garrett Wilson at 7.77 and then Devin Duvernay at 7.8. So a couple of guys that, uh, you know, you probably aren't going to be as happy to see when you pop into the tool as you would be in most other weeks. Those I think are the notes that I had on wide receiver, unless you wanted me to hit upon anything else before we transition over to tight ends.
1: I guess just a comment on the Dolphins wide receivers this week. I mean, they're at Chicago. um, You know, they are favored and, you know, I I can at least see what the app's picking up on here. You know, that the bears, uh, you know, with the weight towards the most recent matchups, I mean, Hey, over the past five weeks, the bears have uh, been fifth best in the NFL in terms of PPR surrendered to opposing wide receivers uh, and also fifth best in expected points allowed. Um, and better than average in terms of fantasy points over expectation allowed. Uh, I mean, against Kansas city in week six, uh, is this right? No, I think there's something, I think there's something wrong uh, in the NFL statics for here um, that, that could be driving this. But if I look at four of the past five weeks, Terry McLaurin uh, just eight PPR, Jacoby Myers just eleven point four PPR. Ceedee Lamb kind of got there with an eighteen point eight PPR performance, five seventy-seven and one. I mean, I could see Tyreek Orwaddle doing that, and you know, not, you know, that. I mean, that's like a half for either one of them in, in recent weeks, and so you know, maybe maybe it's a week where they don't both get there, and so that would maybe be the caution uh, due to the way the Bears have performed against opposing um, wide receiver cores uh, over the past month.
2: Yeah, and when we go through the uh, passing game matchup radar, we can maybe make a little bit more sense of it as well, although really, um, you know, I mean, that, you know that analysis doesn't really matter. Right, uh, doesn't it doesn't really may- matter.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it might be a coin flip on which one, which one of them uh, produces. It may not be a week where they both get their 25 points, which we're getting a little bit accustomed to lately.
2: Right. So, uh, four tight ends, no surprise, Travis Kelsey coming in front here by a pretty significant margin. Zach Ertz at number two with 13.3 points followed by Mark Andrews, a name that's probably going to get attention here. Robert Tunyon coming in, uh, towards the top this week projected with 6.8 targets, 4.8 receptions, 50 yards and 0.3 touchdowns. That gives him an average curve of 11.3 75th percentile projection of 14.3 pretty solid floor for a tight end at 7.3 has 27% of his matches going between 10 to 15 and a very impressive 16% between 15 to 20. Uh, So in a week like this, to get that kind of production from Tunyon could be very interesting, especially if you normally have another tight end that you're playing at the tight end position on your squad. We also see Gerald Everett, uh, who you mentioned coming in as one of the highest rated tight ends this week. Also followed by Logan Thomas, um, you do have Tyler Conklin, who just seems to be putting up absurd performances. And you know you can't always bank on this guy finding the end zone. Uh, but I very honestly, on some teams this week, can see myself going after Conklin in the flex just in hopes that we get yeah. one of these games out of him. And the thing is Curtis, if you look at his average stat line, it's not just off of touchdowns that it's seeing for him against the Bills. It's actually having him with 6.6 targets, 4.2 receptions and 41 yards. Uh with the 0.2 touchdowns he gets to an average of 9.3, but I think it's it's reasonable to think that you could eke out 6-7 points from Conklin and then you have a little bit of upside. So On some teams that I have in very difficult leagues, it's possible that Conklin plays in my flex. And I think that might be something that some of our listeners could consider other tight ends that I think are worth calling out here. We finally have Kyle Pitts getting back into tight end one contention. He's on the on the fringe, but it likes him this week. Uh, Another name worth calling out here, Evan Ingram. Uh, Then you have other players like Hayden Hurst and Mike Gesicki. Um, you know, honestly, there's really nothing else that stands out this week. Tyler Higby not projected, uh, very well. Um, but other than that,
1: I think you can potentially ignore that though. I mean, uh, Cooper cup may not play. Right. uh, And if he doesn't play, you know, and Higby's volume has been there. I mean, geez. I mean, tight I think if you have Higby, yeah, to be, you, yeah. you got to play Higby if you've got him. Um, yeah. You're not going to, there's not going to be a better option. I like your comment about Conklin. I mean, especially in tight end premium. I mean, there's just really not, I mean, he's done it enough times now that it's like, yeah, I mean, a big time bye week like this, you know, chasing that two touchdown game. Uh, you know, who who knows? I mean, the the Jets are at home. They're they're huge dogs, 12-point dogs to Buffalo at home. I mean, it's just ugly. I mean, Buffalo has not allowed a receiving touchdown to an imposing tight end over the past five weeks, uh, and that includes matchups against Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. So, I mean, hey, if Conklin is the one that gets in the end zone, I mean, you know, going to be a big-time fan club uh, forming. But I will (laughs) note that, um, you know, I mean, uh, Tanyan, you know, he, you know, he goes five for 35, gets the, the eight and a half PPR, Zach Gentry, uh, gets, you know, five for 43 for 9.3. I, I mean, we've seen, you know, a little bit of a floor against the bills. Just nobody's finding the end zone. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that Travis Kelsey's production against the bills is relevant when we're talking about Conklin. Cause they're just not, you know, utilized in the same way. Um, Tanyan, though, I think, uh, that's a good name to also consider uh, in in the flex this week if if you're desperate. Uh, You know, maybe Tunyon's your tight end, too, and, you know, he's been blocked on the bench, but, I mean, Detroit, over the past four weeks, they've allowed at least 9.4 PPR to opposing tight ends uh, in in, in each of those instances. uh, You know, it's actually been, uh, over the past five weeks, actually, um, in three instances, uh, greater than 11 PPR. So, definitely some... Definitely some uh, uh, bankable floor there, and given the the Packers' passing attack, you know I think it's highly reasonable to project something like, you know, a five for forty line or something for for Tunyon, and then you just hope and pray that you get the touchdown.
2: Certainly. So that takes us through all of the uh, notes that I had this week. Of course, if you head to the site, you can get the detailed breakdown for every player and see the full projections for everyone um on the list at each position real quickly actually curtis i'm gonna do this because i always forget and then inevitably um i say to myself i probably should have mentioned uh i'm just gonna read down the top five dsts this week you have cincinnati new orleans new england miami and indianapolis uh so people can keep that in mind but of course uh you know it's probably more more useful if you're going to go there and take a look through the full list. Um, but not really knowing what type of options people would have. That's all I feel like going through. Any notes before we close off and sign out for the night?
1: Uh, for those dedicated listeners that made it all the way through the show and listened until we talked about the the defense and special team uh, streamers. I'll go ahead and mention this. We'll, we'll get to it again Tomorrow. Uh, when we when we talk a little bit of dynasty, but Dave, we made a big trade. Uh, we made a big trade in our Rotoviz uh, two hundred and fifty dollar Triflex Best Ball Dynasty League over on FFPC. We're in second place. Yeah, uh, we're within twenty points of first. You know, obviously, you got you, you want to win the whole thing. And and we've had Hollywood Brown on our IR. We've been getting multiple offers for him from the teams at the bottom of the standings who are looking to vacate points smartly as they should. And we accepted an offer finally, Dave. Um, we talked about it before the show. We send Marquise Brown. We receive DeAndre Hopkins in a 2023 fourth, of course, on the F, uh, FFPC platform with postseason cuts um, that occur. There are some veterans um, diluting, right, I guess enriching uh, the rookie draft a little bit more so than you would see in a traditional dynasty uh, format. One of the things I like about, ffpc product uh that we're collaborating with them on so dave we add another highly viable wide receiver in our quest for glory man we're gonna we're gonna take this thing down um i i love it man i i love it you know hopkins has been a, a big time favorite over the years and it's nice to see him after his suspension come back and dominate again